Hello and welcome to today's podcast with Dell Technologies' Adrian Ianessa. He's Dell's pre-sales leader for ANZ, based in Melbourne. And I'm Stephen Fennick, a long-time tech journalist and regular TV and radio presenter and a former Rabbitohs player. For large organisations, the provision of essential IT has never been more challenging. Adrian is going to look at the latest developments in IT as a service and how they liberate organisations from the problems that arise from the constraints of upfront investments. Before we start, we'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of our country and acknowledge their continuing connection to land, water and community. We acknowledge the culture, the history and the languages of our First Nation peoples and pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Intel. Innovation built in. So let's kick things off. Adrian, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Stephen. Pleasure to be here. You'd need to have spent the last 18 months under a rock not to know that the pandemic has accelerated digital transformation and the demand for remote working with flow-on effects like increased demand for cloud computing and greater security challenges. Aside from those, what are some of the other big IT issues and trends that large organisations should be responding to? Well, yeah, Stephen, one of the one of the biggest challenges that we're seeing is organisations just being able to manage the vast quantities of data that's being generated and, and coming at them. I mean, we, um, you know, data is estimated to be growing at roughly twenty seven, uh, sorry, twenty three percent compound annually over the next in five years, and data is also getting more distributed. So it's in it's in more places. So that's that's getting really difficult for customers to manage and make sense and get value out of out of that data. Um, the other thing we're seeing is that organizations now really have tight capital budgets. So, you know, having to manage all that data, it's also, you know, being able to justify the IT infrastructure they need from a capital point of view is getting more difficult. Um, and the other, the other issue they're facing is there's just a shortage of IT resources in, in the Australian New Zealand market. Like we've, you know, it's estimated that, um, there's a shortage of about 300,000 IT professionals in our market. So, you know, as you said, as the imperative for digitization has increased, customers are actually facing these challenges at the same time. So we really need to adjust on the fly by the sounds of it. Absolutely. If IT was not front and centre for boards and top management before the pandemic, that's likely to have changed. Well, what are you seeing? Well, look, definitely during the pandemic, the first, you know, when, you know, when you can't engage your employees and your customers and your constituents in, in a physical way, um, you know, obviously you need to move to digital ways of working. And the first thing that, you know, boards and executives found was just actually finding a way to get people working from home. And now even as we're coming through it, I mean, a lot of those people want to stay working from home. So that's, you know, so that's a clear challenge um, that they're facing and also new ways of engaging customers you know, in a digital way. So that's really front and center, uh, you know, for most boards. The other thing we're seeing, you probably see it in the press all the time, is real concerns around data privacy and security. I mean, we're seeing the press every week about, you know, the latest ransomware attack. And these, you know, we've seen a fourfold increase in ransomware attacks since the pandemic started. And now, you know, most executives are saying that, you know, the risk in their, the sort of risk management of their business, the number one risk is actually the risk of a cyber attack. Um, and it's not, you know, the, the thinking now is not will you get attacked, but it's when. So, you know, security, security is a big issue. 
Um, the other thing we're seeing too is that IT decisions are increasingly being made by business executives in organizations. And we recently, you know, as part of the as a service model we're talking about today, um, you know, we did a study about who's actually making the decision to move um, IT infrastructure to an as a service model. And what, what we found was that um, 37% of organizations said that it's the CEO that's making that decision. And only 24% of organizations said that it's the CIO making that decision. So we're also seeing that shift of IT decisions to the business. So is it, is it a case of them making the best financial decision or the best tech decision? Is that is that the case here with these IT executives? Predominantly, it's it's making the decision to drive their business forward, to increase their revenue, to increase their competitive advantage. So really, it's a, it's more of a business growth um, right. viewpoint. They say data is the new oil. Organisations are discovering new ways to refine it and extract value. What challenges do they face to realise the value locked up in their data? Yeah, absolutely. You know, managing data is the number one priority. And we actually, we actually did a big study on this with uh, with Forrester, uh, with the research organisation. And based on the findings of the study, we 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 named it the data paradox study. Um, and really, the findings was um, the findings were that organisations are really challenged by the amounts of data coming to them. So, from a people, process, technology point of view, organisations are getting overwhelmed by the amount of data. Um, and there's really two areas where organizations are struggling. One is having effective data processes and technologies to manage that data. And the second is just having a mature data culture within the organization and the skills in their people to manage that data. So, so they're, they're two big areas. And then the reason it was called the data paradox study was we actually found three paradoxes. And the first one is that organizations believe that they are data driven but they're not actually acting that way. They're not treating data as capital and they're not prioritizing the use of that data across their organization. So that was the first one. The second one was businesses are saying that they're gathering data faster than they can deal with, but at the same time, they're saying they need more data. So that's the second paradox. And then the third one is most have acknowledged that an as-a-service model will actually would actually help them deal with this data deluge but while most of them are saying they need a, um, an as-a-service model, only a very small minority have actually adopted it yet. So that's so you know so that's really the challenge that we're that we're looking at. I'm hearing that you, there's so much data, you can either drown in the data or learn how to swim. Is that right? That, that's pretty much <laughs> your, your, your two choices there. Yeah. I think absolutely. Yeah, delivering the IT services as a business needs to operate. Ensuring they are reliable, efficient, and cost-effective is a very big challenge. But businesses, at the same time, need to be evolving their services to counter competition and to move ahead. So, how can they minimise resources dedicated to keeping the lights on and free those up to focus on innovation and advancement? Yeah, that's that's a great point. Um, Really, this is what shifting to an as-a-service model is all about. And effectively, what that means is that organizations don't need to worry about keeping the lights on anymore. So eliminate the problem. And the way you eliminate that problem is that you, um, is that your provider, for example, like, you know, in Dell Technologies with our Apex strategy, we actually keep the lights on effectively. So we, we provide the infrastructure to the customer. We, we own the infrastructure. We, we manage the infrastructure, 
which means organizations then don't need to worry about managing that infrastructure and they don't need to worry about things like, you know, life cycle management when that infrastructure comes time for renewal, they don't need to worry about having to renew it because the as a service provider takes care of all that, which means organizations then can really focus on things above that. They can focus on, you know, how do they, you know, IT people can then focus on how, how do they provide value back to their business? you know, at a business level, at an applications level, without having to worry about the underlying infrastructure. So that's really what we're talking about when we uh, when we talk about an as-a-service model, is freeing the organisation from all of those challenges. We do it for them. Um, and also, frankly, you know, it's, you know, we provide this on, a, on an OPEX basis. So we also free organisations with the burden of having to go through, you know, complex procurement cycles and you know, capital investment justification. So it's really about taking all of that underlying pain away. If organisations look to adopt an as-a-service model to meet their IT needs, how do they go about determining where to draw the line between outsourcing to a service provider and meeting requirements from in-house resources? Yeah, look, that's that's an important line. I mean, the you know, and we've actually seen some organisations in the past where they've gone sort of a fully blown outsource, and then what happens after a few years? All innovation has stopped because that outsource contract's managed, you know, to the low, you know, to the lowest possible level for profitability. So that, so you know, I think organisations first of all have, have moved on from that full outsource model. But, but I mean, to answer your question directly, where you draw the line, I mean, there are some things that no customers really want to do anymore. They don't want to do the low level management of infrastructure, the, you know, the, the patch management, the health monitoring, all of those very basic low level tasks. They don't want to do that. So I think that's a very simple one. So from, you know, from our point of view, when, you know, now as a service offerings, we do all of that for the customer. We manage that underlying infrastructure. We own it. They you know, customers don't need to worry about it. all the customers need to worry about is actually using that in- infrastructure. So I think that's a very clear cut line that most customers would agree that they don't want to do anything below that line. Um, and then really it depends on, you know, from a customer to customer basis, they may want to manage their own applications and modernize their applications, or they may choose then to selectively have providers to manage further up the stack. So then I think that becomes uh, a more customer by customer decision as to how much of their infrastructure they want managed. But one thing we're pretty sure of is that below the line of actually managing the underlying infrastructure, most customers don't want to do that anymore. So they want you to do the heavy lifting and then they focus on what they want to focus That's on. That's right. They focus on what they want to focus on. They focus on the higher level um, um, activities that really would add value to their business rather than focusing on the plumbing, as it were. Usage of public cloud has grown enormously in recent years. That That's an as-a-service model in that customers don't make upfront capital investments. But I believe there are some issues. What are those? There are. So I, I think, first of all, it would be good just to acknowledge why public cloud has been successful because there are a lot of great qualities about public cloud. So, I mean, to your point, customers don't need to make upfront capital investments. Um, the resource, the IT resources are delivered as a service. Um, the environment is operated effectively by the by the public cloud provider. Um, there's instant scalability. So if you need more, you can just you can get more. If you need less, you can get less resources. Um, and 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 you pay for what you use. So there's so there so there are benefits to public cloud. Um, but at the same time, there are some issues. Now, first of all, you know the first the first issue is. 
you just can't put all of your workloads into public cloud. I mean, it's been proven as, you know, at the moment, um, on average, organizations are, are using approximately five clouds, right? A combination of public and private clouds. And, you know, over 80% of organizations have both public and private clouds. So it's just not practical to put everything into a public cloud to begin with. And, you know, some of the reasons organizations use private clouds is because for traditional applications, um, Public cloud, you know, you really need private cloud for the performance and resiliency for those traditional apps. You, you don't get that in public cloud. Um, in some cases, you know, there are data sovereignty concerns about, about um, public cloud. Um, and then there's the rise of edge, right? IT is becoming, as I said, is becoming more distributed and IT needs to be in the real world where things are happening. So there's the rise of edge computing. So, you know, they're just sort of some practical reasons why you just can't put everything into public cloud. Um, and then even the things you can put into public cloud, um, you know, there are cost concerns. You know, and we've seen, you know, we've, we've seen studies and I've seen real life examples where public cloud can be two times to four times more expensive, uh, you know, especially for traditional applications. So there are cost issues. And now I'm hearing for the first time customers saying, I mean, there was a recent customer I spoke to who have got an app, have an application which is related to the pandemic. You know, gathering information about the pandemic, and they started off in in public cloud, and that was going great. But as the volume is increasing, like you know, people are doing more QR check-ins and just great volume, they're now seeing those public cloud storage costs getting out of control at scale. So you know, sometimes it's a great place to start, but then it becomes you know too expensive as you scale. So I'm seeing customers say that. The other thing I saw a customer recently do, and it's becoming more common, is they're now doing, before they move into public cloud, they're now doing a more detailed cost analysis. Like what's it really gonna cost me to move into public cloud in terms of what are the software licensing costs? What are the egress costs? What are all these extra related costs? And now we're starting to see customers saying, oh, okay, well, actually now that we've done this cost analysis, we actually can't move this set of workloads or this environment into public cloud because based on the cost assessment we just we just did, it doesn't, um, it, it doesn't meet, um, the, the cost benefit doesn't work out. So that's the other thing I'm seeing. Customers are getting a far more sophisticated in doing their costings before they even move into public cloud. Tell me more about this move to the edge that I've heard so much about. What, what opportunities and challenges does that create? Look, massive opportunities. I think edge has the, you know, has really the potential to, to really change the way we work and live. Um, and solve some of the biggest problems in the world, right? <laughs> like global warming and, uh, and, uh, you know, income inequality and all that sort of stuff. I mean, it's got great, it's got great promise. And edge, edge is really about, it's being enabled by technologies like, um, IOT, 5G, artificial intelligence. And it's where processing needs to happen at the point and the place where data is created. So, so, you know, think of the edges where operational technology in the real world, and it could be things like, you know, video cameras, uh, and sensors or mining equipment or medical equipment where that operational technology in the real world generates data and needs to be, or, you know, can be integrated with IT. And when you integrate it with IT and digitize that information, you can then use things like artificial intelligence to start automating um, processes and diagnosis and, and things like that. So that's really edge is where you, you know, data is getting created in the real world and you need to take action in the real world. And, you know, Stephen, you can imagine if you're, if you're doing an application like factory automation and there was safety concerns, you can't really be sending that data over the internet to a public cloud and waiting for it to come back 
to, you know, protect somebody from, you know, a potential accident. You know, that's just not going to work. You need to have that processing distributed to the place where it, where it needs to be. Um, so because of that, you know, a lot of analysts are saying that within the next few years, 75% of corporate data is actually going to be created at the edge, right? roughly 75%. Um, and that's very different to what we've been used to because traditionally we're used to, you know, 95% of the data created in a data center. So we're getting, we're really moving into, um, into a new world. So, so, you know, that's, that's sort of the landscape of edge. And really what that means though is that the challenges that we've faced in the data center that we talked about before in terms of having to manage all that infrastructure and having to, you know, justify capital budgets. Well, all of those problems are going to happen if you have, you know, when you have IT at the edge, and you can multiply it by multiple, multiple locations at the edge. You know, that's why an as a service model is even more important to have when you're moving into a distributed environment. So all those benefits I talked about of an as a service model becomes even more important when you've got multiple, you know, hundreds, potentially hundreds of edge locations rather than just worrying about, you know, three data centers. I understand Dell Technologies Apex provides processing, storage, and memory hardware on a pay-as-you-use basis, and that sounds like the same functionality you get from the cloud. Does it work out cheaper, and if what's the advantage then? Yeah, so Apex Apex is um, the Dell Technology strategy for providing all of our solutions over time in an as-a-service model. So yes, it provides it provides you know, similar benefits to the public cloud, like, you know, being able to, um, um, you know, procure on an as-a-service basis, you know, using an OPEX model, having it all managed for you. So absolutely get similar benefits that you get from public cloud. Um, but then as we discussed, you actually just having those benefits in public cloud is not good enough because in the new world, you know, organisations have already have and will have private clouds as well, and all of those edge locations we talked about. So really, you know, what Apex is doing is taking all of those key benefits from public cloud, but making those available to private cloud and all of the edge locations we're talking about. So providing those benefits across across the board. And what about the cost, Adrian? Uh, yes, I didn't, I didn't answer that, that part of it. Um, uh, yes, absolutely, there are cost benefits. As, as I mentioned earlier, you know, public cloud can be two, you know, two times to four times more expensive, you know, in certain, uh, in certain situations and certain applications. So when, you know, Apex effectively is providing that, um, in a private cloud model. So there are significant cost benefits in going to, um, an as a service model in Apex as opposed to being in the cloud. So there's definite, um, there's definite cost advantages. And probably the other thing I need to mention as well, Stephen, is that, um, you know, with our Apex offerings, customer has flexibility as to where, you know, whilst we own and manage it, the customer has flexibility as to where we put that technology. We can put it in the customer's own data center or increasingly if customers don't have their own data center, we can put it into co-location facility. Uh, and also, as we discussed, you know, we can put it into all of their edge environments as well. And finally, Adrian, what's one thing you'd like our listeners to take away from today's session? The thing... The thing I'd really like um, people to take away is that you can now have the best of both worlds. You could have the distributed environment that you already have and need, but you can also have that provided and managed for you on an as a service basis. So you don't, you don't have to make the same trade off that you, 
you know, would have to make in the past where it's, uh, you know, do you want to go into public cloud and get those benefits or do I want a more distributed environment? Well, you need a more distributed environment and you can have the benefits of, um, uh, you know, of uh, OPEX consumption, of um, providing as a service, of having it, um, you know, really just paying for what you use and having the scalability that you need. So that that's really the takeaway, Stephen, is you could actually have, the best of both worlds and really just look into, you know, look into this apex as a service model. Well, that is a wrap. That's all the time we have uh, for today. A special thanks to Adrian for joining me. If you'd like to learn more about apex solutions, check out the on-demand Dell technologies forum sessions using the link in the resources section or head to delltechnologies.com.au forward slash apex. Once again, we'd like to thank our sponsor Intel innovation built in. Thanks again for listening. Goodbye and have a great day.